I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Ryder Cup. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, you look good in red. USA, baby. Uh, what, a, what a week for them. And I got to give all the credit in the world to uh, the other guy here, Kyle Porter. What a uh, what a prediction. I mean, he he predicted the route um, and I'm just not sure he had the courage to go all the way with it with 19, 19 U.S. points. He was way off. He had 17-11. He wasn't even close to this 19-9, the final score in favor of the United States. KP, I know we don't have you for a lot of time. You are on site there at Whistling Straits. Give us an idea of what the heck is going on. To be to be fair, I've been predicting U.S. blowouts for the last eight years, so I don't I don't know how much credit I deserve for. I, we were talking to uh, this is a horrible name drop off the top, but we were talking to Seth Law on yesterday on Saturday, CEO of the PJ of America, and uh, we were joking with him that um, we always predict U.S. blowouts, and he compared it to a broken clock. You know, you get one right every like twenty years, <laughs> so. <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, listen, it felt like so. So uh, Friday, I haven't talked to you guys. Friday was flat. First tee, no juice, nothing. It just it was weird, and especially coming off Hazeltine, and so many. Th- I th- it, it, it it picked up as the week went on, and so many things happened at this event that Friday morning feels like it was six weeks ago. I mean, it just it, it, it's it's. Insane. I was telling Shane Bacon this a couple of minutes ago. It's insane how you talk about this and talk about it and talk about it for like six months. And then it all happens in like three, not even three total days, just these, these like 50 hours of actual time. And you like talk about it again next two years. It's, it's so crazy how it happens. Um, the U.S. needs to work on its celebration. It's, it's, they're so bad at celebrating. Nobody's chanting. Nobody's cheering. They're kind of spraying champagne on each other, but not really. It's so awkward. Um, but the pressers were unbelievable. I mean, just to be in there for that was was worth the entire trip. So I, I, there's a million things we could talk about. I was sitting there right there when Rory broke down on 16. Uh, there's just so many different directions we could go. Um, but it, it does, sitting in that press conference afterward, it felt like a new era. I know everybody keeps saying that. I said it before the event. It felt like, hey, Tiger and Phil are gone. Because that was the old era. We, you had other guys, but it was Tiger and Phil. And this is different. And we're not all going to be besties. We're not all going to get along all the time. But th- these are our guys for the next 8, 10, 12 years going into the future. And that's exciting, I, I think, as a U.S. golf fan. Well, well, let's start there because Greg and I, we're going to go through all the matches. We're going to do that fun stuff. We're going to let you get out of here before we do that. So, Kyle, let me let me just bounce this right back to you here because I think we at least thought uh, the Europeans, it, it felt like it kind of felt like a last dance situation, right? They're bringing back Poulter. They're, they're, they're bringing back Westwood. They're kind of this older team. And maybe this is a last dance. But the, the United States, it's a, a passing of the torch moment. They described how good the locker room was, how different it was than previous 
years, it, it, it does feel like we are turning the page, a very bright future for the United States and a lot of questions on the European side. Yeah, so two things. One, I've been yelling about how Europe is going to get hung up between generations, and that's what we saw this week. Westy just had nothing. Poulter, I mean, he's he's a great Ryder Cupper, but he had nothing. Um, Fitz, well, Fitzpatrick is not part of that generation, but you see some of the – Paul Casey didn't play that great or he didn't score any points. You see so many of their older guys. They're, it's just that's it. That's it for Poulter. That's probably it for Westwood. Westwood was emotional in the press conference afterwards. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he was like – he was crying about like this being his last one this event is the it's the best it's 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 unbelievable how i mean these guys are millionaires famous superstars of their sport and they're like weeping at these at these (laughs) press conferences on the course rory is like falling apart and it's it's incredible i mean this event is just incredible that's an aside but the European thing, I don't know what the succession plan is. I think we might have talked about that in the, the podcast leading up to this event. You've got Hovland and Rom as your young guys, and, and what else do you have? Maybe you've got a Danny Willett and a Thomas Peters and a – I don't – Matthew Fitzpatrick at the end. They just, they've always been able to identify really young, great Ryder Cuppers like Sergio, like Justin Rose, and kind of, kind of bring them on board. And I, I don't know who those guys are beyond Victor Hoff. I think Tiger and Phil not being here is meaningful. Obviously, they're great players. They're unbelievable, all time, 10 guys of all time. But what happens in a team room and at a team event, they're just, they're almost like black holes where they just suck everything, everything in their orbit like into them. And it doesn't allow you to kind of breathe and everybody feel like an kind of an equivalent part of the team. That's not even really their fault. Maybe it's been their fault in the past, but even if they weren't trying to do that, it just happens. That's just natural. And so I think I think it's not coincidental the first Ryder Cup that they were at post uh, or that they were not at over the last thirty years is one that really feels like this generational shift into a new era for U.S. golf. 19 to 9. The United States did not lose a single session, Greg. They tied one. They tied one. They did not lose a single session. Uh, you, I think, joked about maybe Europe having to create a task force moving forward. I'm not sure if that was a joke. Uh, what What is the next step for the European side here? I mean, I, I agree with Kyle. They're in this kind of awkward spot with, with their best players in the world, and they're going to have a, a, a side of Americans that are going to be formidable for a very long time. Take a look down the official world golf rankings and just look at the flags and you'll see some international flags. You'll see some European flags. There's a lot of American flags and, and you got to scroll when, when you do find the European flags, they're older players. And in just two years, they're going to be two years older. Um, and, and that's the problem. There's not a lot of youth. There's not a lot of rising stars in the European game. Uh, certainly not enough to compete with what the Americans have coming up in the ranks. The one name I might have thrown in there that Kyle didn't would be Bobby McIntyre. And if you're yeah. judging Padraig Harrington, maybe he's the guy that should have been on there. But then again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You're trying to win this Ryder Cup. So I understand where he was coming from. Um, but if you knew that this would be the result, maybe you take a, a Poulter um, and he's probably the only guy. And I, I, it's nothing against him because his Ryder Cup record is phenomenal, especially in singles. But it, it there's not a lot of other guys that you could kind of groom past a past a Robert McIntyre. So I, I think that's a real question. It's a real concern. And uh, Thomas Peters, who Kyle mentioned, what what a letdown. Um, I mean, he was yeah. a the, he was supposed to be the next guy, and his game just yeah. hasn't it hasn't materialized. And and you don't see him on this on this board here for a reason. So the the guys you see here that have um, Alex Noren, maybe he's a guy you can get one or two you can get one or two more out of him. But I look at the Europeans who couldn't be on the next Ryder Cup team. And um, oh, Guido, maybe, maybe Guido. Could yeah, be Guido. You could go with Guido Migliozzi. Victor Perez. Victor Perez, the the Hoygaard brothers, that's like the younger set. Or I, they're actually, I don't even know if they're even brothers. No, they are brothers. Are, um, yeah, 
are those is the, is that the are those are those guys the answer? That's that's the right. Problem. That's the that's, that's the, the question. Problem. Can you lean I mean, on I, him? Like you look at names and you could lean on Matt Fitzpatrick because he's young, but he he hasn't won a point. He hasn't won a half point. He hasn't done anything in the Ryder Cup. And uh, like, I mean, that's not pop. necessarily forever. No pop. No pop. And it's certainly no not pop. the Rose. It's not the Rose Stenson duel, right? Or, uh, duo rather. It, you're, you're not going to get that out of these guys. So, I mean, maybe there are some options for them, uh, but they have a lot of work to do to compete with what we have. The American I, I would like rookies. To, yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Kip. Just, just real quick. I'd like to say like, I don't put Sergio in that group. Sergio is, first of all, he's 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 a monster. I mean, he's unreal, and him and him and Rom together. I mean, it, Sergio's going to play in another Ryder Cup. He hasn't played in his last one, but I don't know, man. Poulter, Westwood, Stenson, maybe Rose. Maybe all four of those guys have played in their last Ryder Cup. I think, Rose and even if they, one. even if they haven't. What's their significance when they do play in their last? It, it's the yeah. Lee Westwood version this year, right? It's a ceremonial, maybe the final Ryder Cup. And, well, and, and, that, I, and I, that's not what's going to beat our team. I think that, I think Padraig, I think this is this is the point. Is he, didn't, he didn't see having enough good young options that he was going to leave Poulter off the team. And we saw how Poulter played. I mean... That's not that's that's an indictment of your future, right? That's not a good sign for your future. And I think I think Harrington was kind of like, well, maybe we can capture some magic one more time. And that's that's the part that I'm talking about of getting hung up between generations. We we need to talk about the US team before I have to go there. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. The Americans, the rookies went 14-4 and 3. Justin Ray says that's the highest points per match average of a group of rookies in the modern era. But it was more than just the rookies. KP, the oldest guy on the team, goes out, plays all five, wins all five. I mean, this was just uh, an absolute drubbing. It was uh, the the depth that just never, ever stopped for the Americans. And uh, they proved uh, that they should that they were just absolutely much better than the European team was this week. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, it, it was it was unbelievable. You didn't get a ton out of JTSB. Everybody kind of played this role, and they rode DJ their horse. And I think here's what's interesting about DJ. You know, he said this in his presser. He was drunk, but he said uh, yeah. he kind of credited his partners, and he was kind of joking but kind of serious. And listen, playing with Colin Morikawa and Xander Shoffley is a lot different than playing with Matt Kuchar and Ryan Moore or whoever he was paired up with in the past. Like that is, um, that's significant, right? Like that is a, that's a big jump. I, I don't know if you guys thought I tweeted out this morning, kind of the, the um, how under par everybody was this week. I did Ron see that. Was it was great. It, and it didn't. It didn't tell the full story because you pick up your ball sometime in match play, and it, you, you can't. Those numbers don't get counted in. But it, it gives a good picture. Rom's at the top. Morikawa was second, and DJ was third. And so I think yes, DJ went five and zero, but he got a lot of help from Sander, from Morikawa, and I just I thought they really. Um, I thought they. I thought they kind of set everything up really well. They didn't. They didn't try to rock. I don't know. It was just, it was great. And it showed their depth. You know, I, I thought coming into the week that the point of having depth is to, is to ride your really hot players. And I guess they kind of did that with DJ. I, I probably would have rode Morikawa more than they did. I guess he played four times. Um, they played their best guys the most. And they got a bunch out of like Finau and Bryson playing their kind of role on the team. <laughs> I mean, we were joking about it today. Like, what are you thinking when Bryson and Finau are coming in for the afternoon matches after after you've won another one three one in the morning? And you get, I mean, just up and down the board, Cantlay and Xander. I mean, it's it's there's no holes. Scott, if Scotty Scheffler, your hole, he goes out and hammers Rom on Sunday. I mean, it, it's it's truly scary. And I think last thing I'll say about this is all those guys worship stricker as a captain 
I mean, they were yeah. they were going out of their way to talk about how well he set everything up. There were no surprises. Everybody knew who was playing with who. This is our deal. Um, I don't know if they changed. I don't think they changed anything around during the week, which sometimes maybe I think you sh- you should to ride that hot hand. Maybe DJ wasn't supposed to play all five, and he was just playing so well that they rode him. But they went out of their way to praise just how good of a job that he did throughout this week. The Captain Stricker, Greg, has already kind of poured cold water on uh, him doing this again. In in the in the post event interview, he kind of alluded to, "Hey, there's there's a schedule. There are guys in line. I I've been very successful. I'm stoked about it. I'm thrilled. But like." In short, don't expect to see me as as captain again. Is kind of the vibe that I got. I I think that's a little disappointing. Um, and not that it's Stricker alone, but I have a belief that really successful organizations and anything have consistency. And there's no place I'd rather start than with a captain. It doesn't have to be Stricker. Doesn't have to be anybody. And look, with the European team shaping up the way that it is, maybe this will all be. Uh, maybe the tide will turn for the U.S. over a long period of time, and this won't really be an issue. But I do believe that um, a, a real changing point you could make that would be really successful would be to run a captain out multiple times in a row. The Europeans did it back in in the day um, with, on a couple of occasions and found success because there's consistency and there's regularity. And like like Kyle just pointed out, there were no surprises for anybody. If you have the same captain who runs things the same way for three, four Ryder Cups in a row, I know that's a long period of time, but if you can do that, you're going to be hard to beat and everybody's going to feel comfortable and everybody's going to know who to impress and there will be no surprises going forward. And it makes it hard to question the moves that he makes. So you start to believe in him. Whereas in 2014, the moves Tom Watson made, there, there wasn't any trust built in there. You know that the Ryder Cup captain was a great player, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they make great decisions as a captain. And when you have a, ch- a chance to have a guy like Steve Stricker, who's had success at Liberty National and the President's Cup and here, if you roll that out again, the guys on the next team will know that hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Both, both captaincies have been wild successes. And for that reason, I trust what he's doing and I'm not going to question it. And that cuts down drama and it makes everybody comfortable and everybody happy and ultimately leads to success. 1911 was the final score under Captain Stricker at the 2017 President's Cup. 199 here in at Whistling Straits. So KP, is it just overthinking it to not just run him back out there one more time? Like, what are we doing here? Why are we moving away from this? Well, I think the... Yes. I mean, those guys, again, those guys adore him. Like they would, I mean, DJ was like going out of his way again. He was drunk, but he was, by the way, we, we know was, Dustin Johnson's drunk tell because it's in a presser when he's like asking, trying to get into more questions instead of doing like the speed yeah. racer six and a half minute press conference that he usually does. <laughs> it's a great totally. point. And, and both are amazing to be fair, yeah. but he, uh, he, he like, was interrupting people to talk about how awesome Steve Stricker was. When does that ever, I mean, again, drinking, but when does that ever happen? You know? And um, I had a point about this. Oh, I think, I think the problem here is, I don't know if Stricker wants to do it. That's right. A good call. It, it's, it's so taxing. Solly and I at no, I know we're talking about this. It's so taxing to be the captain for, I guess he was kind of the captain for like a three year, lead in to this year but for another two years there's just i think there's a lot that goes on that's just kind of a hassle more than anything and not even like picking the team and all that stuff but the media obligations and all the just extracurriculars that go with it that um i I just don't know if guys want to commit to that for another couple of years yeah it's tough it is um how much time you got kp I uh, I got one more question in me. All right, let's just let's just do this. The the presser afterwards ended with <laughs> Brooks and Bryson hugging it out in the middle of the room uh, to a standing ovation from their teammates. It, it was it, it are okay. Are are we done with the Brooks and Bryson thing? It, it, I'll tell you what. Bryson was pretty. Um, I, I think he's built up a lot of goodwill this week. I don't know how long that lasts, but like, where do we now currently stand on the Brooks and Bryson stuff? 
Well, thankfully, Bryson's super self-aware, so he'll be able to leverage all that goodwill for like, for you know, for his own benefit for the next. Until couple I of see years. him on um, Tuesday at the long drive. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's how that's how long it's going to last. Uh, I think that's the end of it. I'm so tired of talking about it. JT called for that. You probably watched it, but JT yeah. was like, "Hey, yeah. I'll get out." Listen, like, are those guys buddies? No. Like, do I think Bryson and Daniel Berger are boys? No. But there's enough, like, it, it's kind of like the New England Patriots thing where, hey, we can take on an Antonio Brown because we've got enough uh, Tom Brady's that it works, right? That, that's, yeah. that's, that's why you have Speed. Uh, I mean, you have Speed and JT and, and more Cowboys that are world-class players, but they also provide you that benefit that you can, you can absorb some of the guys that are just kind of, you know, doing their own deal because you have enough of uh, this other type of guy. So that was kind of, you know, the way they all talked about each other. I have multiple guys, including I think Kepka talk about how they grew up playing together and they all know each other really well. And it's just, it's, I know I keep stating this. It's so different than the tiger Phil stuff. Again, not, not that that was necessarily bad. This is just like, it feels fresh and, it's easy to like each other when you win, but it, it definitely – I think Scotty Scheffler and JT and Cantlay and Spieth and Shoffley, I think they all, like, enjoy being around one another, and they enjoy yeah. being on a team together. And that really came out this week. Also, you asked me really quick about the Rory thing because I was standing right there when it happened. Yeah, so Rory McIlroy, uh, emotional uh, to say the least, after his after his round describing how meaningful the Ryder Cup is to him, how he wished he brought more this week. He finally got a point in Sunday singles beating Xander Shoffley, but it, all in all, a disappointing week for Rory McIlroy by his own standards. Yeah, so he he was so bad the first couple first couple of days, and just kind of low energy, just didn't have it. Um, I don't I don't know why. And then he was so high energy throughout his match against um, against Xander. Like he was locked in. It was it was Ryder Cup Rory. And then obviously he wins it on 16. I was hoping he'd miss that putt on 15 because we were standing on 16 and I wanted to kind of see the end of his match. And he comes off and I'm standing probably, I don't know, 30 feet away. And I'm on Twitter and I see people tweeting about how he's crying and I couldn't, I wasn't close enough to see like, there's a bunch of people around him doing TV. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I walk over there and he's just like, I mean, you guys saw it. He's just losing it. And it was like, it was kind of like, there's, there's such an energy around, Hey, the U S is about to win. They might get to 20. And then all of a sudden you're hit with this tidal wave of like existential Rory talking about like his career I mean, he's the guy that in 2009 was like, it's an exhibition, right? right? And now he's like leaping over this week with good friends that you, that, that all these guys talk about that you get to, you get to remember forever. And I like everybody around there was getting emotional and it was like, it was like this huge thing. And he's talking about Shane Lowry being one of his best friends for, for so long Lowry's in the group behind him. He finishes. Rory goes up and hugs him. They're both crying. And I'm like, what is, what are we doing here? This is, it was, it was such a meaningful moment. And, you know, his wife is there and they're like crying together. And it, it just, uh, and I'll end with this. It solidified this as like the best event. And I was just, I was actually just texting with him about like that moment and about this event. And we were just talking about how like, it, it surpasses everything else in golf because it's not about how much money you won or how many trophies you have. It's just about playing golf with guys that are your close friends and, and guys that you want to go out and win an event with. And I don't know, man, it, it, was, it was sweet. It was super meaningful, and it made me appreciate the fact that we get to cover this every single week and, and especially that we get to cover this week at the Ryder Cup. Mm. that's kyle porter you can find him on twitter at kyle porter cbs kp thanks for popping on safe travels brother thanks guys sorry i couldn't stay on longer but uh yeah loved it and uh, i'll talk to you guys soon see ya great thanks. stuff kp
Okay, uh, Greg and I, we are going to go match by match. We're going to talk through this, give our thoughts and analysis. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back. All right, Greg, it's time. Let's go. Let's go match by match. We went a little out of order here, but we got a window. We went with it for KP being on site. So let's go. Match number one out. Rory McIlroy does get the job done over Xander Shoffley. Three and two. We talked a little bit about that, but uh, I was still interested to see Padraig Harrington on Sunday knowing he needs points immediately. Uh, right now goes back to Rory in match number one, not John Rahm in that slot. I would love, I would love to know how that came to be. Um, after sitting him on on Saturday morning, and then Saturday afternoon doesn't go well either, and it's like, what is it going on sense. here? And you're going to play him first? It, it didn't make any sense. So I didn't understand the move, but at the same time, there's this lingering feeling that Rory's not going to go Owen anything, right? And and that is why I thought he had a chance to actually go 0 and 5 this week if if it didn't go well. I just be, and I say that because I thought that Podrick would play him every match. I don't think you can sit him down with this team behind him. Anyway, um he he got the job done and it was cool to see and it's definitely one of the more memorable moments of the European Ryder Cup. Um of the Ryder Cup in general. And part of that Rick, it's easy to look like a great team when you win. But what the Europeans proved today, and and Rory was the centerpiece of that. Um, what you do when you're lo- when, when you lose is really what makes a team, and uh, it was, so it was really cool to see. Yeah, I thought sitting Rory was a little bit of uh, waving a waving a white flag, and then rolling him out first was kind of trying to jolt him. I I didn't understand it. He gets the job done. He wins three and two. On the other side of this match, that was the only match uh, Xander Shoffley lost. He was again phenomenal. He continues to be one of the best consistent players we have in our game across different formats, whether it's stroke play, whether it's no cuts, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's team formats, uh, Xander Shoffley, uh, newsflash, very, very good at golf. Yes. I was disappointed <laughs> with the putt on one. Um, that's the one thing I'd say about, about Xander. It was just a little you know, shorty and gave Rory the first hole there. That's what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah. Exactly. And he really, I mean, he should have made that one. And if he makes that, it's a, it's a long row. It felt like that could be a momentum shifter almost. I mean, it was just too much in the end, but, um, but Xander, very impressive, had a real chance to be, I won't say captain America, but Mr. America for the year with a gold medal win going four and zero in the Ryder cup, but still three and one is, um, is a really nice feat. And also he is a clear piece of our, of our future, a, a really solid, a, a workhorse type piece for our future. Yeah, absolutely. Match number two, Patrick Cantlay beats Shane Lowry four and two. Lowry gets first blood winning the second hole, but Cantlay rattles off the next four and never lets Lowry get close after that. This was, I thought, at least kind of an interesting play from Padraig Harrington. So here's what, in my opinion, here's what they do. You hide John Rahm in the three spot, right? Because the Americans say, okay, it's got to be Rahm and Rory one and two. That's that's what the Americans must be thinking. They counter with Xander and Cantlay. So Padraig Harrington says, okay, let me try to hide Rom in the three spot and get like emotional guy who closed out great at the end of, of Saturday's matches. Shane Lowry, maybe I can catch uh, you know, lightning in a bottle with him in the two slot. I actually thought that was a pretty solid move. I, I liked I liked Lowry in the two slot. Uh, I, I was almost 
Uh, it's hard to say they're going to go weaker, but it, going with Xander Cantlay one two was a strong move by Stricker because yeah, they're a he, tough match for anybody. No, no, um, no hope for the for the Europeans, right? If they go out and they get a right. couple of early points, you just that he uh, Steve Stricker wanted to squash all hope. But even if you lose those, they are they're extremely talented, a match for anybody, but not necessarily the guys that everybody's leaning on. We need Cantley. We need Xander. No, we we'd like them, and and they're great, and they can do it. But they're not necessarily uh, Dustin Johnson. If if where if they go down, you know, Olympus has fallen, kind of a thing. To cite a, a movie reference, it, it 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 wasn't like so. It was a very I think a smart play and a solid play. I also think Lowry in the two hole was a solid play because he's just coming off that emotional victory um, in the Saturday afternoon four ball play. So I liked, I really liked that play. You don't have a lot of horses, but Lowry was clearly emotional. It meant a lot to him, and you could see it. But Cantlay was just too much. He was game face, and really, I mean, what an impressive week for him. Cantlay gets three and a half points on the week, and he shares top rookie honors with Colin Morikawa. Now, the evolution of Patrick Cantlay seems to have significantly increased in speed over the last couple of, of months, Greg. We have seen uh, him not only come out of his shell more so in terms of interviews, but he has become a really unstoppable force on the golf course. Is this what we can expect from Cantlay? I mean, he's going to get to Shriners seemingly in two weeks. Is he just going to pick up right where he left off and roll this into next season? Yes. <laughs> and this is the, the the thing about this. He's developing and growing as a player, but this is really who he is. This is what he did in the amateur ranks. And yeah. it was a couple of injuries and a couple of bad situations and that, that held him back for a while. I mean, the guy didn't play golf for a whole year. And here he is, one of the best players in the world and a, a another workhorse player on our team who now has won. What, I mean, he's basically won every year. I think every year except one since he's been back out on tour regularly, full time. And he's won big events and he's beat big time guys and he has won in the play. I mean, he's done everything at this point aside from majors. And he also really came out of his shell at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. Remember, you saw these reactions out of Cantlay that were surprising. So I, I think in a way it almost hurt him that this Ryder Cup was pushed back because he could have... If 2020 didn't happen the way it did, um, how about that for a line? But if if 2020 <laughs> went differently and he had a Ryder Cup the next year, this all might have been a little more, it would have made a little more sense. But there's that year off with no team golf and you forget what he did at, at Royal Melbourne, which was just like this. So it was no no surprise, but I do think this is what we can expect. I'm not sure about the interviews. I'm not sure about the personality when he gets into the heat of a PGA Tour season. And it's just about focusing on Cantlay's game, but he is definitely um, a, a guy who's kind of a butterfly, right? Opening up, coming out of his shell, and it's fun to watch. Match three, Scotty Scheffler wins four and three over John Rahm. Scotty Scheffler goes out, birdies the first four holes, wins them all against the number one player in the world, and in the post-round presser, a lot of uh, the American team uh, was referencing this match. This was what they were keeping an eye on. This is what they were using as fuel to see Scotty Scheffler up on John Rahm uh, early and big, and he's able to hold on. He's able to close it out in, in somewhat significant fashion here and uh, kind of uh, you know down the Europeans' best player. I actually thought this was going to be the first match. I, yesterday, we talked about it last night, Rick. I, I thought yep. this would be match one. It happened to be match three. And the coolest thing about this is it's easy to say John Rahm is gassed. I mean, he has had the whole team on his back. He has played this now being his fifth match. And he always has the target on his back when he plays. And he has been the one in a, in a team competition. He's had no break. He's the guy that has to. He's like the LeBron James. He's got to play defense on every play. He's got to play off. He's playing point guard on every play. He is running the show for the Europeans. And it's easy to fall back on that and say, well, yeah, he got a tired John Rob. But he birdies the first four holes. And, yeah. you know, you step up in that moment that everybody talks about where you can barely get your ball on a tee and you're playing John Rom, And you go out there and birdie the first four holes. That's some stuff. 
uh, I don't know what you call it. I'm not sure there's a name for it. I won't try to come up with it, but that is big time golf and a career defining moment potentially for Scotty Scheffler. John Rahm with three and a half points still is your top European. That was uh, three and a half to one before the event started. Match number four, Bryson DeChambeau defeats Sergio Garcia three and two. So if you're paying attention, that means the Europeans went McElroy, Lowry, Rahm, Sergio. That starts to make a lot of sense. And the the big moment uh, from this match, Greg, it's going to come right out of the gate. Bryson DeChambeau drives the green on number one, proceeds to roll in the eagle putt. He would win number Number two. I mean, it was it was right out of the gate. Bryson asserting himself onto Sergio, who's also had an excellent week. Phenomenal week for Sergio. Uh, and he answered the question without question. That was the right captain selection. And, and it sure. kind of right. It, it buys him another, in my opinion. I, I don't Definitely. I'm not sure it matters going forward, but the game that Sergio still possesses is incredible. But Bryson really stepped up quite frankly, he was impressive. He's a guy that in team play in his last president's cup and his last Ryder cup was very um, disappointing, I guess you could say, but this is a new Bryson and it was very new in 2019 with all of his distance. It was completely new. And he, so he didn't play a lot, but this time he became somebody you could lean on, which was really cool to watch. Maybe, would have been cool to see him play in foursomes play just to, for Bryson's future, just to see what he is in team play uh, and what kind of role he'll play in the future. Is he a five match guy guaranteed? I, I don't, we don't know that yet. I don't know how he's going to do an alternate shot, but he stepped up and he hit big shots when he needed to. Uh, he hit some great wedge shots. We know about his driving, driving the green on one was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just so cool. And he flew it on the green and it landed like a wedge. It was so cool. And then and they got, everybody got behind him and he had a great attitude about the whole week. And it was it, it was a big, a big week for Bryson. He may be the winner of the week. He may leave the happiest guy out of anybody on this U.S. Team. Yeah, he, he's on the winning team. He gets two and a half points and he uh, did a little uh, help for the image this week, I think. So we'll see. We'll see how long. Yeah. That, I thought he was great. I thought he was phenomenal. It was awesome. Um, Sergio got three points, which makes him uh, along with Xander Shoffley. They are going to both notch top wild card so xander was four and a half to one sergio was eight to one but since they tied uh you can cut those in half match number five we got it colin morikawa against victor hovland and only fitting only fitting greg they have so they each get uh, a half a point morikawa won 17 uh with just an absolute beauty into that long part three hovland snagged one by winning 18 to get the half a point for Europe. It is just, uh, you know, I know it's been three years, but to call both of these guys uh, rookies to see where they're at, at this point in their career, and then to get them, get them to battle on Sunday at a Ryder cup was like, I just, I loved everything about this match. It all happened so fast. You think about the press conference at the travelers in yeah. 2019. I mean, it, it just, it's happened really quick. And I kept seeing moments with Hovland and Morikawa, both looking at them and just saying it in 25 years, we're going to be looking back at these pictures say, wow, they were so young. And I, I can't wait to watch the progression and the journey along the way. But, um, Colin Morikawa, extremely impressive to me. And he continued, he, he showed that, this has not been a, this is not a short term thing, his success, because he goes through these little lulls. And this one was because of an injury. He's gone through some putting lulls and he, he comes back so easily and so gracefully. And it, it's, it's not like when Jordan first came out and everything was just a whirlwind and it was crazy success right away. He's had some real struggles and it'd been easy. It, it would be easy to doubt him. But he's never doubted himself, and he he continues to come back and ride the ebbs and flows with just a great attitude, and it just it screams to me long term success. Hovland, much of the same, but as far as the Ryder Cup goes, Rick, yeah, I, I didn't see the magic right there. the The thing that the European contingent could always do was make the big putts, even for guys that aren't great putters. Correct, and I didn't see that out of Hovland this week. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it for me. So Hovland is an incredibly interesting case study for this Ryder Cup. He played all five sessions, Greg. He earned 
a half a point. That it was that one yeah. right there, that half a point against Morikawa. And you can look at this and say, and I'm pretty sure I'd have to look this up, but he I'm pretty sure he was in the lead on the back nine of all five of his matches, and he got a half a point. I'll confirm that here. But to me, when I tuned in and I saw Hovland, he passed the eye test from T to green and he just made nothing. And that's what that's what you're referring to is that there was never that rider cup magic where even the poor putters find a way to put the put the ball in the cup. I mean, look at the statistics from this year and where the European players rank in strokes gained putting. That is not the same. It's no different than it is in the in a normal Ryder Cup. I mean, the the Ian Poulter, Ian Poulter is usually a pretty good putter, but not as good as he is this year. Then you go to a Sergio Garcia, a Justin Rose, uh, uh, Henrik Stenson. These guys tend to struggle on the greens. European players, as a general rule, struggle on the greens on the PGA Tour until the Ryder Cup. And then they become they become the Jordan Spieths and the Patrick Reeds. They become greatest putters of all time in Ryder Cups. And Hovland was just the opposite. Hovland was the putter he is on tour in a week where he's not winning. Mm, and he right. brought that to the Ryder Cup. Maybe that's the team atmosphere. Maybe he didn't, his partners weren't holding anything and there there wasn't that energy that we've seen at Ryder Cups. And I'm not saying it's going to last forever, but I don't look at him and say, oh, he's the next Henrik Stenson. He's, he's the next blank on this team after this Ryder Cup. And, and it's, my opinion will probably change through time. Um, <laughs> and, and if they contend again, I, I just, I guess I just don't see him as the sole savior of this team. I see him as a piece and he needs help as everybody does, except like a John Rahm. You, you need a little bit of help. You need some sparks from your teammates. And I'm not sure where it comes from on the European side. So I confirmed this, his last four matches, he had a lead on the back nine, uh, got a half a point out of those. Um, two things before I forget here. Um, I forget the one. So that's a good start. The other yeah. one was, okay, you know what my, you know what my biggest pet peeve is? Um, the cup clinching point. And the fact that that's an actual designation, because let me walk you through the day, Greg, uh, Morikawa stuffs one on 17 and makes the putt. And he has now one up going to 18. He is guaranteed a half a point. However, in the meantime, in the time it takes him to play 18, there were a couple other players. I think Dustin Johnson had a crack at a putt to, to clinch the cup. I think Justin Thomas had a putt to clinch the cup, even though it has already been clinched. It's just not on the board yet where we almost had a situation. And I was I was dying for this situation of Hovland to make a par putt or a birdie putt or whatever it was going to a birdie putt on 18 for the cup clinching moment for the other team. That's what it would have been. Cause it just, the match just would have ended. <laughs> You're right. And, and <laughs> it almost happened, but even Brooks Kepka had a chance. I, I mean, yeah. if his, uh, on seven, the shot he had on 17, if that went in, he, he was the cup clincher, which would have been cool to clinch it on a hole in one. Oh my God. And, it, it, it's, it sniffed it. It looked in and rolled by. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the, his, the history tells a different story than what actually happened. And if, yeah. if that was the moment in history, the cup clinching cup, Brooks Kepka won it on a hole in one. We would have forgotten that it was already clinched by Morikawa. But Rick, I had the same thought. This, Morikawa clinched it. It's already done. He should. This shouldn't be a, still a conversation because the the have is guaranteed. And they said that on the broadcast. But um, I mean, it all worked out. The ball don't lie, as they say. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay, here we go. Match number six. Dustin Johnson beats Paul Casey one up. Uh, Casey. Hold out from 108 yards or whatever it was on Saturday or yeah, Saturday. And that was about it. He was not good all week long. Dustin Johnson five and O becomes the first American to do that since Larry Nelson in 1979. And he is the fifth man to ever do it. Most recently before DJ 2018, Francesco Molinari, uh, unbelievable week from Dustin Johnson to, you know, we talked about it all week long when you play four matches and then you go to singles, it's not a great conversion rate in that match. And he was just vintage DJ for three straight days. Yes, uh, he absolutely was. And poor Paul Casey, because he yeah. goes, oh, Paul Casey goes, oh, and four and all of all of his losses to Dustin Johnson. So I, I, I felt for him. Um, 
I, I felt for him because I don't think Paul Casey played terrible, terrible golf. There just there wasn't the spark again. It, and he's not the guy that's going to create that. He's the guy that can ride on that and, and he can utilize that as fuel and be a part of it. But he's not the creator of it, unfortunately. Um, Dustin Johnson was the hot guy they decided to ride. And the beauty of this American team is they didn't have to. I, I look at DJ going five and zero, oh, and it's a big deal and it was huge. But the underlying story to me is if Dustin Johnson wasn't on this team, the outcome would likely not have been that much different. Yeah. And, and because we just have another guy to roll out and okay. Xander Shoffley could be the horse. Patrick Cantlay could be the horse. We could ride Justin Tom. We have so many options. It just doesn't stop, which is cool. Um, but for Dustin, who's had a shaky Ryder cup record, I think seven and nine coming into this week changes the story completely in one Ryder cup. And all of a sudden he goes from a disappointing Ryder cup record to a really good Ryder cup record. And he deserves that because his whole career has been outstanding, incredible, and also underappreciated. Yes. And it, it's going to be marked by what could have been almost, almost no matter what happens, because there's been so many close calls and so many tough decisions, but he has been the best player and the most consistent player since the, since the post tiger era, the real tiger era since 2010, he's been the the best player. And so I, I'm really happy for DJ. Dustin Johnson, top American, uh, which obviously he was, he won every single point, seven and a half to one, uh, top combined point score also gets that 12 to one were the odds coming into the event there for Mr. DJ match seven Brooks Kepka beats burn Viesberger two and one. It was it was pretty close for a while. I think they stepped on 15. Uh, no, I guess they stepped on 16 T all square. Brooks wins 16. Uh, we have mentioned that he nearly made an ace on 17 and uh, has has enough in the end to pull it out over Bernd Wiesberger, which he was uh, quite a sizable favorite. In. Uh, it was it was big for Kepka to get this win, I think. Um it, it would have looked like a really disappointing week without this point. Uh, and especially if it comes to burn Viesberger, who's the guy that everybody throws out there for the European team as their weakest guy. And he wasn't, he was, he was actually pretty good. He was pretty good, but he got zero points, but he, he got but, zero. I mean, right. There were three guys who got zero points, but he was, I'll tell you what, when I watched birds, he was pretty darn good. He, he was time pods. Yeah. I was impressed. And that's what I'm looking I'm looking at the eye t- points in the yeah. Ryder cup are important. And over the longer you have, uh, the longer stretch you have, the more likely it is that the points pan out to the way you play. But when it when you have one Ryder Cup and your team gets waxed and the part you don't know what's going on with your partners and you, it, there's just it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. I thought Burned was good, and and maybe part of that is he's the we throw the Scott Stallings out there as the generic PGA Tour player. <laughs> Burn Viesberger is the guy. Well, who are you going to throw out there? Burn Viesberger? Like, <laughs> like he's their European, just the name you throw out there. And it, it's not worthy. He was worthy of a spot on this team. So um, I'm impressed. But the Kepka thing to me, I thought Kyle made such a good point before he left. Talking about how you have enough Tom Brady's on the team to absorb an Antonio Brown. And it, it became, for Brooks Kepka this week, from what I'm seeing, it became cool to be a good guy, right? It became cool to get along. And all of a sudden he bought in and he broke, he, he broke down a little bit and he had some fun and he enjoyed it. And it looked genuinely fun for him, which was nice to see. You didn't see the eye rolling. You didn't see the, the, he wasn't the energy sucker that I feared he would be, which was cool. and even like, uh, he, I think he's, he appears to be really good friends with Daniel Berger, uh, or at least bo- like whatever boys or whatever. And to, just to see him even joke around with him, I thought was cool. Right. Because yeah. it's always, it's always, it always feels like it's Brooks against the world, or at least that's what he right. wants it to be. But it's actually nice, like remove Bryson from the situation. It was nice to see him joke around with Berger. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and he bought into the whole team atmosphere and so i was kind of struck by this whole thing where you have what rory said in 2009 you've had tiger has made comments in the past and his opinion completely changed we saw it in 2019 with how emotional his player captaincy was you see brooks kepka go from his comments 
who knows when that was probably a month, a month ago, maybe two months ago, he makes those comments about the Ryder cup. And this event has that way of, of changing you. It changes your opinion of it because you learn to love it and appreciate it. And it's emotional, even for the alligator skinned Brooks Kepka. It's, it's emotional and it gets to everybody. So I, I think that was, I, I think that was really cool to see. Me too. Match eight. Ian Poulter finally made some putts, finally looked like Ryder Cup Ian Poulter, wins three and two over Tony Finau. Uh, what is the likelihood, Greg, that this was Ian Poulter's last Ryder Cup? Strong. strong, um, Moderate yeah, to point. severe. One point, yeah, one one yeah. point this week. He's on the wrong side of whatever age he is, and um, he's especially maybe one more crack if he gets a really generous setup and plays well uh, before we get to Rome. But like on a on an American hosted Ryder Cup, um, it's going to be tough. I I think I think this might be it for Ian. So um, he's forty five, I believe. So 47, 47 at the next one uh, in Europe. I, I still think he has a chance, but what's the significance of that? Is he going to be able to carry a team? I, I do think it's an advantage to go play a, a European setup for sure. Right? And he you, is forty. Go, he is forty-five. You are correct. So it'll be it'll be forty-seven at the next one. I do think there's a chance he can make that. He can make that team. I think he can make the team top nine. He he's still a good player and he cares about it so deeply and he can find courses to play and he, he can get his way onto that team. What's the significance of that? That that's a different story. I'm not going to count him out. And, uh, he is now seven and Oh, all time in Ryder cup singles, which is, just absolutely bonkers. Uh, I don't know if you've looked this up or if you know this off the top of your head, because I feel like perception and reality is a little bit different. Any idea how many points Tony Finau had this week? One. One. I would have definitely bet over one because I felt like when I watched him, he yeah. was playing well. He had some good vibes. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised it was only one. He played well, four the times. Thing, the thing was on Friday afternoon, he only played four ball play. He didn't play foursomes, which which hurts your opportunity, obviously. So he goes crazy in the in Friday afternoon and oh, yeah, he's fist right. pumping and celebrating. So yeah. he's going nuts. And it's like Tony Fien this could be his Ryder Cup. This could this could be the Tony Fino story. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And then they lose the the really difficult match they they lose on 18 to yes to Lowry. Um, yeah so i was Lowry. i was wrong so i thought he played four times he played three times it was him and harris english right. beating rory mcelroy and shane lowry so that was the noisy one that we all remember and then he was on right the lo- wrong side of saturday afternoon lowry making the putt on 18 to win that so that's not as bad and then sunday singles he loses the impulter who's never lost. right so, okay it's 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 way it's way better when you break it down like that <laughs> yeah but it's still it's tough to judge that record oh he only got one point but at the same and i kind of feel the same way about his singles win in 18 where he plays T- tommy fleetwood who's gone four matches and it's a beat down but it's insignificant and this one is ian poulter continues his singles record but it's insignificant it it it's a match that doesn't matter. And it's just hard to put the same weight on that as you do on Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm. Um, although I'll also say the, the singles matches in this Ryder cup were all as a, as a whole le- far less significant. So you'd take it with a grain of salt. It was still, I think a overall a positive week for Fina. Justin Thomas in match nine wins four and three over Terrell Hatton. Uh, Hatton had about a nine hole stretch this week. That was really, really good. Outside of that, I did not think he played particularly well. Still love the guy. Still love the emotion. I think he's going to play more of these and he's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. But for a United States team that relies on Justin Thomas to be their emotional leader, um, him going out and getting two and a half points two one and one, that's like, that's like the baseline performance for JT, right? You go out and get two and a half points every Ryder Cup, and it's going to be just fine. You're absolutely right. Um, and and the other thing about JT is you're usually in the marquee matches. Yes. And so you know you're going to draw some buzz saws. And that's the other thing about Ryder Cup records. You got to take with a slight grain of salt is these guys 
the matchups you can get are, can be so different. Um, but, and, and they're not all created equal, even though it seems that way. But the cool thing about JT's match was birdie in the first two holes. It just sets the tone early and you just get the feeling it, you take the energy away from Hatton and the energy is in JT and in the, uh, the crowd. And he's just giving them the stare down and they love interacting with him. Uh, he's the spark plug and he did exactly what he had to do. Match 10 Harris English falls to Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood wins one up. In fact, Lee Westwood won 15, 16 and 18 to earn that full point. And uh, even in basically his own words after the event in the, in the post-event presser, likely the final point for Lee Westwood. He's 49 years old. Um, I believe he had his son on the bag this week, which was um, uh, to me that that is a golfer who is on a farewell tour. Yes. And that, that feels like it's going to start cycling through the European team with, uh, with Poulter. He may get a farewell tour at home uh, on home soil, as they say. Um, and, and you may get that with a Casey and a Garcia. Eventually, you'll get that farewell tour. For Lee, it was really cool to end the way that he did. Yeah, I, I did think that English was our weakest player this week, which is so surprising to to hear because he certainly belonged on the team, but he was our weakest player. Yeah, he, he was. He was, uh, which is crazy. It just shows you how how deep how deep the Americans are. He went one and two. He absolutely should have been on the team, but you're absolutely right. He was the weakest player. What a great what a great sign it is when Harris English is your weak spot. That's your yeah. weak link. Wow. I mean, it's but it, it it was insignificant again. I mean, his he lost the tough one to to Lowry, which would have been. It would have been big, but he, they took it to 18. He and Finau took it to 18. And this match today is insignificant. And you know it when you go out there. So, I, I don't. again, I don't put too much into this match, but it was, it, it definitely, two of two of the, the weaker players in this Ryder Cup, but it, it created a really cool moment for Lee Westwood. And by the time that Lee Westwood won 15, 16, and 18, the Ryder Cup was decided. And I'm not sure how much Harris English was uh, or any of these guys still out on the golf course were all that excited about finishing their match. Yeah, I mean, you almost <laughs> want to just go in. You, you almost want to go in and celebrate. So, but you, you can't do that. But it's uh, that's what you, you want to do. That's where your mind is. No question. Match 11. Jordan Spieth and Tommy Fleetwood fight for a half a point. They have this match. Um, you know, Speeth, I, I, I think Speeth was grinding. Speeth is a grinder constantly, right? Like we every single week on the PGA Tour, no matter uh, if he's outside the cut line trying to get in, he grinds. And he was grinding because he was looking for that first full point, Greg. He was looking for that first full singles point. Still uh, has not won a singles match in either the Ryder cup or the president's cup, which is just crazy to think about, but uh, he will continue to be a staple on this American squad likely for a very long time. Yes. And this wasn't his best Ryder cup. Um, but like you said, he's a staple and, and he's so easy to pair and he's so important to have on the team and you can lean on him when you need to, but we didn't have to, which was, which is nice. If you have a Jordan Spieth who you can, you know, he can kind of take it easy. Not that he did, because he does grind every time. But you, you're not leaning on the Jordan Spieth point. That's such a big advantage. And the Americans enjoyed that all week. So Spieth just couldn't quite get it going with the putter uh, on the greens. It was kind of ridiculous at times. He had one of the nastiest lip outs I've ever seen. And a mm. couple of good putts he had that didn't go in. But he there was a lid on the hole for him all week. And that's why it wasn't the week I expected to have out of him, uh, but it was close. Final match, match number 12, uh, DB straight vibe and Daniel Berger wins one up, including uh, the final hole to get that full point, which ends up being the record breaking point to get to 19 points over Matt Fitzpatrick, who, Man, um, between here and Paris is what now? Over five in two Ryder Cups. That is, it's tough. He's going to have to wait two years and hopefully get back on this team and try to try to get himself a point. I feel for him. I mean, I I'd like obviously for all the Europeans to have losing records because I want the U.S. to win. 
but I don't want anybody. Oh, it's just tough because you know he's going to be on the team. You know he's going to take questions about it. And you you go over in your first Ryder Cup, and it's only over two, and it's no big deal. But now you come in, and you're kind of expected to take on a new role on the team. And you're one of the young guys, and a name that people are going to throw in there as somebody to lean on. And yet you're zero and five. So disappointing and tough. Great for Berger, though. Great for Berger to get the win here because he could be looked at as a, not a great week with a loss. One and two, not a great week. But I think this will help his case going forward on ne- on next teams. It, it helps him be a, a part of the group to have a winning record for the week. 19-9, to nine, when you add it all up, that's the final score. The margin, which uh, if you were looking around, like our friends at Caesars, they offered a, a, an, an option for seven or more, would have fallen into that category, would have been four to one. The exact score, Greg, if you went out and pulled the trigger on 19-9, to nine, it would have got you 28-1 to one on your money. It was certainly one of the longer shot outcomes, but um, this was an American team that was significantly better and deeper than the European team and also – you get a couple of things to go right, and um, it ends up being nineteen to nine. It was never ever close. No, it it, it should have been worse. Quite it frankly, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, I don't look at this and say the the um, the Europeans let them like let matches get away. I, I think the Americans no. still let matches get away, yeah. and so this could have been real ugly. I mean, really ugly, and I it was it was really ugly. But yeah, 19 to 9, record breaker. Great to see. I, the future is looking bright for the Americans. I can't wait to see what this team does with this kind of unity in a road game. Can't wait. Yes. That's that will be yes. Yes. I love that. Well, Rome is where uh they're headed next in 2023. So obviously we'll start talking about that um probably in like two weeks. When in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome. Okay, well now we've got to we've got to refocus our attention, Greg, because you know it's coming up next week. The Sanderson Farms. Yeah, baby, let's go. Great trophy. Another great trophy week. Elite One of your trophy. favorites, right? Absolute elite trophy. Top hey. uh three or four. Hey. Jacob. Yeah, I got a question. So we sort of brought this up last week. When does Sanderson Farms Week officially begin? Was it whenever was it whenever <laughs> we knew that Morikawa and Hovland were gonna have? Or or was it whenever there was the the clenching point, or was it whenever they actually hoisted it? Because that's all I was thinking about. So I think it was six. I think I think is when it was six to two on uh on Friday. We could have oh, been, it could have been on Friday. But but realistically for me, it's uh it was when Morikawa it wasn't officially the clinching point, but like when he guaranteed it, right? It's over. It's Sanderson Farms, baby, Sergio Garcia, defending champ. I have a slightly different spin on this one, which by the way, I think is a great question, Jacob. So thank you for your input. Um, but the Sanderson Farms week starts to me at our DFS episode tomorrow. I, I still think it's Ryder Cup week. That's if you me. were if you were a true PGA Tour nut, uh, it would have started uh, after Max Homa won at the Fortinet because you would not even have recognized this Ryder Cup as an event. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. So Max Homa kicked us off on uh, Sanderson Farms Week. Is that the most forgotten win of the year already? It has to be. I feel so bad. Why? You know, because you do you do one event to start the season, then the Ryder Cup. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like, a stutter. It's a stutter start. Yeah, and immediately the second that putt dropped, everyone wanted to talk about the Ryder Cup. Even though it was Max Homa, incredibly popular, likable guy, friend of the pod, everyone wanted to talk about the Ryder Cup, and now we're just going to move on. So yeah, I, I right. actually kind of feel bad for. Her. Yeah, it, it, it's like last year at the before the November, November Masters. Carlos Ortiz won and Dustin Johnson came in second coming off of COVID. So it was completely, and then it's master's week and it's completely forgotten about. So uh, Max almost in that camp too, but hopefully there's another win for him in the, in the near future. You could have given me a million guesses on who won that event uh, before the Masters, and I never would have got to Carlos Ortiz. So next week, uh, DFS preview Monday, Sanderson Farms Mega Preview Pod Tuesday, which, uh, spoiler alert, I'll have to f- we'll have to figure out a recording time. I'll text you guys about that. I'll be at the long drive. Bryson's going to be at the long drive. Nice. I have no idea. What, what is he going to do? Is he going to? He's, he, he's not going to be good at this, right? He's going to hit it far. 
No, I, I, yeah, a pair, I've never been to a long hard. drive. I, I think what you're going to be surprised to see from what I've heard from people who have gone is the shots are like the, the foul balls, the misses are almost just as excited to see as the, <laughs> as the ones that hit the grid. So I can't wait to hear your report on that because apparently they just go way off the map. So I, I think you'll find Bryson to be the, the most accurate driver there. Uh, that I believe and that I will report back on, but I'm very, very excited. Uh, I think that'll do it uh, for now. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, it's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.